millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted. Welcome again. My name is Todd Edelton. We are in the studio today with David Bogosian. He is the CEO of Christian Aid Mission. David, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you, Todd. It's good to be here. David, talk to me a little bit about Christian Aid Mission. For some of our listeners, they've never heard anything about it. What do they need to know? So Christian Aid Mission has a very specialized focus on what we call indigenous missions. And these are missionaries that are native to their land, to their country, or to their area who are reaching unreached people groups that are nearby them. So our vision is to reach the final frontiers of the gospel, but our strategy is to equip God's people who are closest to those unreached peoples and give them what they need to be effective in those areas. I think there can be a tendency to say either or. Well, either we send foreign missionaries or we support indigenous missionaries, but really it's it's both and. We need all of them. We need all hands on deck. Yeah, one of the amazing things that's happening today is God's using indigenous missionaries in places which are very difficult for foreign missionaries to go. Uh, I was a foreign missionary myself uh, in the Philippines, and there were areas there where we just couldn't go. Uh, this is in the southern part of Mindanao when th- where things are very uh, challenging uh, in terms of insecurity, in terms of unrest. And we can't go there. We would be snatched within minutes of arrival in the Sulu archipelago. But Filipinos are able to go there. And so our strategy was to work with them, to equip them, to go to places where we couldn't go. And that's increasingly happening in the world. If you look at where the unreached people groups are today, they are in places where there's war zones. They are in places where you and I wouldn't live very long if we went there. And so the, the foreign missionary movement is something that God has used in a powerful way throughout history. But what's happening right now is most frontier areas, most unreached people groups, 90% are being reached by believers who are nearest to them because that's the most practical way to get the gospel there. It's great to have a U.S. passport. I love having an American passport. But as you say, there's a lot of places with an American passport you just can't go. Um, You need somebody who's closer, who has not an American passport. The other thing, and maybe you can talk about this, is just the the culture, the language, the things that, as an American, I would have to start almost from zero, whereas somebody from, you know, two villages over, they're already halfway there. That's exactly right. I was just talking with a, a missionary who worked in Indonesia for 20 years, and I asked him, what would you do differently if you were to go back in time. (laughs) And he said, what I would do differently now is I would work with the local believers who were nearest to those people. He's like, because I'm gone now, and they're still there. And he said, even now, 20 years later, I'm still learning things that I didn't know about the people group that I was trying to reach. But those people that are nearest to them, they understand those things intuitively. And so they're able to communicate the gospel very powerfully within the worldview that they share in common. 
And that's really what discipleship is about. That's really what com- good communication is about. It's communicating at that worldview level. And so as outsiders, we can go in and we can try to figure out the external things that people are doing, but we only get so far. And God wants to communicate to the heart. And so that's one of the advantages that people have that are near cultural is they get those things much faster and much more capably than we do. You know, when we read in Revelation, every tribe and every tongue and every nation, how close are we getting to that being fulfilled? Well, this is very exciting because we're we're actually reaching an incredible milestone right now that we've never seen before in the history of the Great Commission. You know, we're actually approaching the 2,000-year anniversary of when Jesus gave the Great Commission. And I often think, how amazing would it be when we reach that milestone? We can say we actually did it. We actually went to every place. Ten years ago, we started out with a list of 3,000 unengaged, unreached people groups. An unreached people group is an ethnic group or language group where there's no indigenous church. But an unengaged, unreached people group is even further behind. They've never received even their first missionary. So we started out with that list, and now today we're down to less than 500. Wow. unengaged, unreached people groups. So that's engagement at a rate of two to 300 a year that has happened in the last 10 years. So that's very exciting from a biblical standpoint and also just from a milestone standpoint to be alive at this moment, to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. I hope when you hear that, you know, 5,000, now 500, that like something jumps in your heart that, you know, we're getting close. This is amazing. What has been the key in the last few years to seeing that advance so quickly? What are some of the factors that have made that a reality? God is moving in his church around the world and giving them a heart to go to these places. And these are difficult places. They're dangerous places. Uh, These are places where you risk your life to go to these places. And yet the Holy Spirit is moving upon his church. And in part, it's because the harvest is coming in. Uh, We were working with believers in in North Africa, for example, who 10 years ago didn't have a vision to go into the unreached areas of their country. It was difficult. You know, you would put your life at risk to do so, but something's changed in the last 10 years. And you can't attribute it to any other factor than the Spirit of God moving upon his church, saying now is the time to bring in the harvest. And the harvest is coming in. I think that's one of the encouraging things is that Muslims, for example, are coming to Christ in ways that have never happened before. So many Muslims are having dreams and visions of Jesus. You can't ignore it anymore. In fact, many missionaries, they begin their conversation with Muslims, asking them, have you had a dream or a vision about Jesus? Because it's so common now. <laughs> we we had Tom Doyle on VOM Radio, and he said even in America when he meets Muslims, he that's one of his first questions. Hey, have you had any weird dreams lately? Tell me about it. So it's interesting to hear that that's, that's even in America, not just in the North Africa. Yeah, it's happening all over the world. I encountered it when I was in the Philippines, uh, when we were reaching Muslims there. And you would meet people that had these incredible stories. And one of the things that amazed me about these stories is they are all different. They weren't borrowing them from each other. They were all unique. And you hear this now thousands of times over. It's like our God is so creative. He doesn't need to repeat the same story, right? The same vision or the same dream. It's all different with each of them. And the other amazing thing is that after they have these encounters with Jesus, their lives are turned upside down. So you know they're telling you the truth right? because they are now on the run for their lives, you know, but they are standing firm because they, they've met Jesus in many cases face to face. 
And they're now willing to give their lives, just like the Apostle Paul when he had that encounter. They're now willing to give their lives for the sake of the gospel. So, David, as we think about those last couple hundred groups, unreached, unengaged, one that immediately comes to my mind is North Sentinel Island, uh, the island that John Chow went to and died on the island, trying to engage the people, trying to reach that. What is it going to take to close that number to zero? Yeah, I think when you when you look at it, what's been happening in the last 10 years, each one of these groups has been a sovereign act of God. Uh, you look at what's happened, for example, and I won't name the country, but in Southeast Asia, there's one particular country, a uh, very challenging, difficult uh, place for the gospel. And yet in the middle of the pandemic, the gospel was shared with the last four unengaged people groups in that country. Wow. In the midst of... You know, the church is being closed down in the midst of great scrutiny. Missionaries went into those places and reached those those areas. So even in the midst of one of the most difficult periods that you and I have ever been through, the gospel has been advancing in a very powerful way among unengaged people groups. So this is the way I see it. When we look at these final groups, many of them are very tough. There's a reason why they're the final groups. The easy places have been reached. That's right. Yeah. But God's going to do it. And that's the, the amazing story of the Bible, that God wins. It's his triumph. It's the triumph of the Lamb. And so he's going to cause it to happen in his way, in his time. It's our responsibility to be prepared and ready for when he opens the door, but he is going to do that. And so the exciting thing is that, you know, groups like um, the Sentinelese, people are praying for them now. They are. People didn't know about them it's before John. It's one of John the amazing things of John's sacrifice is how many people are praying. Yes. And that's what you see in the book of Revelation, you know, in Revelation 5:9 when it talks about, you know, you have purchased men from every nation, tribe, people and language right before that. It talks about these bowls which are the prayers of the saints. And that is what's happening right now. Those bowls are filling up. And what comes out of that is this amazing harvest from the ends of the earth. And I know that Voice of the Martyrs Radio listeners are among those prayer warriors. We're going to talk in, in a few minutes about some specific ways that you can pray, maybe some specific people groups that you can pray for. So keep listening for that. Thank you for being prayer warriors on behalf of God's people and on behalf of God's work around the world. David, I, I think it's fascinating that your family's story goes through persecution. It leads through persecution. Can you Tell us a little bit about that and kind of how that affects your ministry and affects your heart when you go into a place where persecution is reality today. Yeah, it is very personal for me because of my family's history. My Armenian ancestors went through the Armenian genocide uh, where 1.5 million Armenians were killed, 50% of our population. And yet the amazing thing, at least in my case and my story, is my parents always taught me to love Turkish people and to love Muslim people. And so I, I just, I love that God's allowed me to be a part of serving his persecuted church and equipping them to love their persecutors. It's the thing that I love about Voice of the Martyrs, I love about Christian Aid Mission, is that God allows us to come alongside brothers and sisters who really do want to be a blessing to the people who are persecuting them. And that's what Jesus taught his disciples. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that was crazy talk, right, back in that day. That was like, <laughs> what? This is, this is, can this be the Messiah? And yet that's what Jesus is all about. 
And only Jesus can do that. That's the amazing thing about persecution is it allows us to demonstrate the gospel in a way that nothing else could. And I think that's in one, it's one, in one part why God allows persecution because the gospel really does shine in that moment like nothing else can. Does your family's experience give you more understanding or more? Is that a story you tell when you're sitting with a pastor in China who's spent time in prison or a pastor in Ethiopia whose flock has, has maybe his church has been burned down? Is that something you say, hey, I, I have a little bit of an understanding of what you're going through because of this? Or is it something that just kind of is inside and, and kind of fires your your passion and your ministry in, in I do a more talk quiet about it. Way. I do talk about it all the time. And uh, if you know Armenians, we talk about the genocide like in almost every conversation. But I get to talk about it in a little bit of a different way, in a hopeful way. Uh, for many Armenians, uh, the genocide is something that is still a very deep wound. And in, in, in some cases, you could say uh, rightly so. I mean, uh, we, we lost a lot. But at the same time, when, when you become born again and the Spirit of God is, is working in your life, you can see the hopefulness. You can see how God has used the Armenians that were scattered around the world to become his witnesses in those places, in places like Iran, in places like the Middle East. And that is something that's very exciting for me and something that I share often with brothers and sisters that are going through persecution, that God is going to use this for his glory. And he always does that. He, he refines his church, and also he grows his church in the midst of persecution. You mentioned the the forgiveness that comes, and what a mind-blowing, for lack of a better word, mind-blowing thing that is. We just, a, a few weeks ago, we had Anita Smith on VOM Radio, whose husband Ronnie was killed in Libya. And she went on national TV in America and said, I love Libya, I forgive the people who did this. She went on Middle Eastern TV in Arabic and said the same things. I love the living people. I forgive the people who killed my husband. You've seen some of those stories firsthand of of forgiveness and of living out what Jesus said. Bless those. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who persecute you. Tell us some of those stories and, and how you've seen that play out on the ground in hostile and restricted nations. Yeah, well, I was just in a uh, North African country. And we were with brothers and sisters there who were being severely persecuted for their faith. And one of the things that happens in many persecution contexts is they get shut out of the local economy. In this particular case, this brother uh, was not allowed to uh, take his uh, livestock out into the pasture land, so they were basically going to starve. And they, they beat him. They did many things to, to make his life very difficult. We came alongside him and we helped him with a project that allowed him to have a livelihood, to be sustainable. And he became actually the most affluent person in his village because God <laughs> blessed his, his work, the work of his hands. But he didn't stop there. He didn't, you know, rub that in the face of his persecutors. He wanted to bless them. So he created a co-op. And he invited them in. And now the people wow. that were formally persecuting him are now defending him and, and ha having Bible study with him and praying with him. And so this is what God does. And that's what I love about what God's called us to do, our two ministries, is we get to serve brothers and sisters like that who have that heart to bless them and we empower them to do so. I'm kind of floored by that. I mean, you think about, oh, you, you used to beat me. Now, why don't you join my business? Why don't you profit from my work? 
what does that do for the people who see that and and live next door to him? Yeah, they get to see the gospel in action. You know, the, the gospel is to be proclaimed in word and deed. And it's not enough for us just to believe these things. We have to live them out. And one of the, the most difficult things for any human being is to forgive those who have hurt us, especially those who've literally tried to kill us, who've literally tried to starve us out, to turn around and bless those people. And only Jesus can do that. Only the gospel can bring about that kind of transformation. And so this is what God does. He sets up these opportunities. He knows exactly what he's doing with persecution. It's not like uh, God went to sleep and it's like, oh, he woke up and we're all being persecuted. No, God ordained persecution for his church. Gold does not fear any fire. The fire reveals what is really there. And so that's what God is doing. And that's what happens in a community context. That's what he, what he said when he said, let your light shine. You are the light of the world. Don't hide the light. Let your good deeds be seen by everybody so they may glorify your Father in heaven. And that's what happens. Jesus gets glorified. His praises get magnified. And that happens in the context of persecution. David, you mentioned a country in Asia where we've gone from four to zero, unengaged, unreached people groups. Are there some other countries where we're that close, we're within two or three or four of of having every people group in the nation engaged? Yes, there are. In one country, basically in the Sahel region of Africa, we were able to engage the last nine groups just in this last year. Wow. And so there's many countries, in a sense, you could say they're getting checked off the list because the, the final engagements have happened. And that's very exciting because in all of these cases, what's happening is God's raising up a local mission force, uh, local believers who are willing to go into those places. And they're the first missionaries that go into those places. One of the things that you find in almost every case, when missionaries go there for the first time and the first believers respond, they ask the same question, what took you so long to get here? And the good news is that that question doesn't need to be asked anymore. Literally in the next 10 years, we could see the final groups engaged. And the, the countries where there are the final groups, are that's getting smaller and smaller too. So God's doing something that's absolutely incredible in our lifetime. And we have to appreciate that. We have to understand that this is something epic that we're getting to witness, that we get to be a part of. The crazy thing is a lot of believers don't know about it. Mm -hmm. Here we are living in perhaps the most exciting moment in the history of the Great Commission. And remember, Jesus promised this, or basically you say, God promised this to Abraham 4,000 years ago. I'm going to bless you and all nations will be blessed through you. So Abraham has been waiting 4,000 years for this to happen. You better believe he's getting pretty excited, right? <laughs> we're, we're getting ready to cross the finish line. So if you think about this as a marathon race, we're in the 100-yard dash right mm -hmm. now. We can see the finish line. We're in the finish. We're, we're approaching the finish line. And I was a runner, you know, in high school, ran cross country and track. And when you see that finish line, especially in cross country, because you go on a journey in cross country, right? And you see that finish line, your heart starts to pound, you get excited and you start to accelerate. And that's where we are right now as the global church. We need to step on the gas and accelerate because all hands are needed. Talk to me a little bit about what Christian Aid Mission does. So I'm, I'm thinking of those people groups in the Sahel Somebody there, a church group, somebody says, okay, hey, we, there's there's a family in our church that wants to go reach those people. Then what do you guys do to come alongside them in terms of 
training and, and just kind of talk about that process. Yes, we come alongside them and the first question we ask is, you know, how, how can we serve you? What do you need? Uh, we don't come in and tell them what to do or how to do it. Uh, we come alongside them and say, what is God speaking to you about how this is going to happen? And what does it take? What's it going to take for you to go there and to establish a presence there among that people group? And that's the most important thing when it comes to reaching difficult places with the gospel is establishing permanent presence. And so the first thing that uh, an indigenous missionary might do when they go to a place is they might dig a well or they might start a school. Or they might do something that allows them to serve those people mm -hmm. and build a bridge. Because most of the places that are unreached with the gospel today are places that have some kind of built-in hostility towards the gospel. Principally because they don't know what it is. And they have to see it sometimes before they can hear it. Before they can understand the mm -hmm. message. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus came in and he served people. He loved people. He healed people. He fed people. And he set that example for us. He says, the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And so he calls us to go in those, those places and be hand, the, the hands and the feet of Christ and just to love people. So that's the first thing that we, we often help indigenous missionaries do is build those bridges in a community in very practical ways. Can you give me some examples of what that looks like? They say, I want to start a school or they say, I want to start a business. Do you like give seed money to help that? I mean, Yeah, that's exactly what we do. Okay. So if there's something that um, we can help them with, that's a very practical thing. If they're starting a children's ministry or they're doing something that is humanitarian related, oftentimes access to these groups comes about through a crisis. And so if we can help them uh, go and bring supplies, medical supplies, food, whatever, uh, those were, are often the things that are the very practical things mm -hmm. that show that we love these people and we're there to serve them. And then once you earn that right to speak, then you speak and you tell people why you're doing mm -hmm. it. And you're doing it because the love of Christ loves them yeah. through us. Compels us. Compels us. <laughs> How do you address the issue of persecution? Because as you said— all the easy places, we're done with those. So we know this is going to be hard. We know there could be pushback. There could be physical violence. Your house could be burned down. Your family could be attacked. How do you talk through that and prepare them and help them think through that and pray through that? Yeah, the most important thing in persecuted context is if you can stay in community, that's what we want to help you to do. And in every case that we have seen where believers have stuck it out in the face of persecution, a church has resulted wow. from that. And so that's what we try to help believers do. And like we said, you know, in, in earlier examples, the first thing that happens when people become believers is the community will try to push them out by cutting off their access to the water supply, cutting off their access to the food supply, etc., and so coming alongside brothers and sisters who are going through that situation to give them the capacity to stay in community is so key. And that's the, our priority, what we try to do. As we finish up, we always try to equip people to pray. So I want to start out with Christian Aid Mission. How do we pray for you guys, for your leadership team, for the work that you're doing around the world? Yeah, prayer to us is the most important thing. Uh, it's more important than giving, more important than volunteers. We need people to pray because there is a spiritual battle going on. The enemy doesn't want these final frontiers to be reached. 
There's only one place in the Bible where it says Satan gets angry. Revelation 12, verse 12. He is filled with fury when he sees his time getting short. And he unleashes that fury against his church, against God's people. And so it's very important that we not only pray for the people that we're serving, but we need people to pray for us too. And so we ask for God's covering. We, we need God's grace to make wise decisions for his protection as we go into dangerous places. We are always going into those places, and that's what we do. That are, that's our priority, to go into the places that nobody else wants to go and to come alongside brothers and sisters who are going into those dangerous and difficult places. Well, we need God's prayer for protection and safety. If you look at the Apostle Paul's prayer request, he has 10 prayer requests, the churches of his day, and that's one of the big ones that he prays for. One of the other things he asks for prayer for is for boldness and courage to do the things that God's called us to do. And that is going to become increasingly the case. God's people need to be courageous, and that courage needs to come from the Holy Spirit. And so pray for God's courage to be given to us and to be given to Voice of the Martyrs and all ministries that are serving frontline workers to stay the course and to be faithful in what God has called us to do. Amen. And as we think about those indigenous workers that are going to that next village or they're engaging that new people group, how do we pray for them? Yeah, These are the saints of our time, Amen. right? Uh, these are the people. <laughs> the that, heroes. <laughs> the heroes of our time, and they're the, they're the unsung heroes. And, you know, I think that in the same way that we need to be praying uh, for ourselves, for that covering, for that spiritual protection, the same thing applies to them. Uh, they're going into places where there is strong spiritual resistance. And you can feel that. It's almost palpable when you go into these places. You can feel that there's something that doesn't want you to be there. And so it's not just the physical you know, persecution, but there is a spiritual reality that needs to be understood when we pray for our brothers and sisters, that there is resistance. And they need to have the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ when they go into those places. And that's how we need to pray for them, that the grace of God would cover them and encourage them to press on and to not grow weary in doing good when they face persecution, when they face difficult uh, and challenging situations, to have that grace to continue to love people and to continue to serve in the midst of those situations. How has your faith been affected by encountering these heroes, the, these folks that are, what, what have you kind of brought home with you and said, man, I want to I do that that they're doing, or I want to be like them in this way? What, what are some of the things that have really inspired you? That is the most awesome thing about this job. I, I think this is the best job in the world because we get to be with these living saints who are sacrificing every single day, taking up their cross. And it's so inspiring. I think especially inspiring on, on a, as Americans, we're, we're caught up in a very materialistic culture. These are people, as the Apostle Paul said, to this very day we are dressed in rags. You know, these are people who have very, very little, and yet they have joy, and they have peace, and they have this confidence that they're doing what God has called them to do. And that is worth more than all the gold and silver and everything else. And so that's one of the biggest things for me when I visit these brothers and sisters. It reminds me to be very careful how I use what God has given me, that it needs to be used for his kingdom. And there is no place in this hour, in this, in this, in this generation especially, for misusing Uh, the resources that God has given us. We need to use it wisely and invest it because a harvest is coming in like we've never seen before. 
Amen. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, Voice for the Persecuted.